0: Hey there, this is Keith. Uh, Before we get into the main show, I wanted to let you know really quickly about another show that I've got going called Art Pal. As the name would uh, indicate, this show involves me talking about art Um, The entire first season is up. That's nine episodes. Each episode is somewhere between six and eight minutes. And it's designed so that you can download the whole thing and use it as an audio guide. uh, If you were to go and visit the Minneapolis Institute of Art, each episode talks about a work of art or an artist who is on display there and gives some further context or backstory or relates to some issue in art history. And it's Pretty fun and pretty interesting, I think. You should check it out. Again, the show is called Artpal. You can stream it or download it from Artpalpodcast.com, all one word, or you can find it um, the same places you're getting this show. So go check it out and uh yeah, now enjoy Chad and me talking toop. <laughs> Uh, welcome to uh, another episode of We Been Had, a song-by-song song walk through the songs of Uncle Tupelo. I'm Keith Pilly.
1: And I'm Chad Cook.
0: And uh, yeah, welcome. This is a landmark episode. We're, we're moving on. Album number two, Still Feel Gone. It's your big doings. The uh, songs we'll be covering today are Gun, Looking for a Way Out, and Fall Down Easy. On a new album. What do you think?
1: I guess I I was kind of as I was listening to this, and I think I knew this, but this is kind of like the least country of all the Uncle Tupelo records. Yeah, uh, at least yeah. in the beginning, I I did some just some research and a website I've never heard of called Diffuser uh, described this record as Uncle Tupelo edging off into radio ready glossiness and veering into middle of the road territory.
0: Yeah, I think that's legit. Controversy. That's. Oh, we'll wait till we start talking about gun.
1: Oh boy. Here we go.
0: But uh yeah, no, I think you're right. Like this is, it's interesting that they took such a swerve after this one.
1: Um yeah, do you feel like at all, it was like a, okay, this wasn't country enough. We're going to, we're going to over, we're going to overcompensate. We're going to record an acoustic only album.
0: I think that was, I, I think that's kind of close to what happened. And there's, I mean, you know, when we get to March, we'll get to March, but I, I, it was definitely I don't know, thought definitely went into it. I think it's interesting, like I you know, just looking up the the basics of this. So this album's nineteen ninety-one, same uh, same label, which eventually becomes a big deal, same producers as No Depression, uh that's Coldry and Slade, uh done partly in the same studio. So, you know, obviously they they thought like, well, stick with what worked for the most part.
1: Did you look? I I looked up some of their other records that that Coldery and Slade produced during that era, and really, it it's almost like a, a soundtrack of late '80s and '90s records that I had uh, in rotation. What else did they do? They did I... "Surfer Rosa" and "Come On Pilgrim." Uh, really? Pixies. I thought, or at least I should say, they engineered those two records. Okay.
0: Yeah, I thought. That dude's name, the the asshole Steve Alvini. <laughs> I I thought he yeah I maybe he collaborated or I maybe I'm just totally wrong.
1: Yeah. Also Pablo Honey and the Benz, like the oh really the Radiohead albums uh, a couple of Lemonhead albums early Lemonhead the Dinosaur Jr. album Bug.
0: I always think that's wild when you find these like hidden connections between shit that like all happened you know roughly contemporary. Roughly at the same time. Um, and, you know, like there, there's like this sameness to it at the time that you don't identify. And then later on, you go back and you're like, oh, that's why.
1: Yeah. Um, and it's it's just weird because, you have also two morphine records, like they're morphine. like the soundtrack of the 90s. Yeah. You know, like 90s Alterna. And also, Sean Slade, fun note, produced that stone free Jimi Hendrix tribute album. I remember that. Yeah. Where somehow, like, the spin doctors pulled this money version of Spanish castle magic out of their asses and then did nothing for the rest of their career. They
0: cashed out a lifetime's worth of a good jam there.
1: Well, it's it's bizarre though, because like, like if you asked me, you know, what, what do you think of the spin doctors? I'd be like, terrible. I I hate them. But you listen to that one song and it's like, they found their one, their one moment to shine given with someone else's material, but But still, you know, I, uh,
0: we don't hold that against social distortion.
1: That's true. Boom! Wow. Shots fired.
0: That's true, though. In your heart, you know I'm right.
1: <laughs> yeah,
0: no, I... With, with So with, you know, sticking with Colder and Slade, same studio, we'll probably get more into this when we get into the songs. But I, for me, like, this feels like... It's no depression with, like, some lessons you know, lessons learned playing together. And then like, it's really clear to me that they had more money, you know, so they were able to spend more time, you know, just the guitars and drums sound better here. And since it's the same people in the same facilities, to me, that that must mean that they had more time to like fuss with the dials and make sure that they had the kick drum mic exactly right.
1: It also, on the flip side though, it sounds less raw Yeah. no depression. Definitely. So you don't get the feeling like, when you're listening to no depression, that it's kind of like seeing them live. Yeah. Like this just feels a lot more studio.
0: Yeah. And that, you know, that, that quote you had about them, like veering towards the mainstream. Like, I I think that's exactly what they mean.
1: That quote was a diffuser quote from the website diffuser. I just like saying that. I don't know why I, it's like debaser, but (laughs) diffuser.
0: I agree. (laughs) Well, should we, uh,
1: yeah, let's hear your controversial opinions about the song Gun.
0: Okay. All right. Um, it's gun time. Let's
1: do it. Gun.
0: This is a bold statement as an album opener.
1: It was a bold statement and it uh, I don't know I I guess I had always this is gonna be somewhat controversial because I'd always held this song up to be my one of my favorite Jeff Tweedy songs and I feel like listening to it this time I was a little let down what I know what yeah and uh, I I did some googling and literally no one agrees with me on this that's on this but I still think it's a good song. I just, I'm not sure if I, where I have it in the pantheon. Where do you have it in the pantheon? I,
0: at at, at the top. I mean, like I, uh, yeah, you know, (laughs) I have this idea that maybe when we're done, we should go back and do like, work out an Uncle Tupelo canon that people can be pissed at us for. This would be, you know, at the top of the top
1: level of the canon.
0: And you know, yeah, maybe favorite Jeff Tweedy song. Um, you don't like it, Pistols at Dawn.
1: It, it's, not, it's not that I don't like it. I, I like it a lot. I just, I was willing to, and if you had pulled me in 1999, like, you know, like I'd be willing to throw down for this song as ah. as the best Jeff Tweedy song out there. And I don't know. I, I don't know if I would, I still think I would have it pretty high, but not, maybe not number one. I don't know, I don't know what number one would be.
0: Well, so I'm curious, like what, uh, I, you know, this is a good thing, really. Like, yeah. But when you listen to it, then what, uh, how's it lacking? What's what's missing?
1: I don't know. I don't know what's missing. I just feel like it's, it, and I never noticed this before, but it just, it sounds really produced to me.
0: It does sound super produced.
1: Which, I mean, I love the lyrics and I love the guitar part. I don't know. There's just something that, something I never noticed before that it just sounds, it just sounds a little too massaged to me.
0: Well, I you know that's I, I think we talked about a bunch on different songs and no depression was like is this a country song is this not? Like, gun is so good that like the first time I heard it, I literally thought my brain was melting, uh, you know, like no exaggeration. That's how I described it at the time. But it's in no way a country song. It's it's a well-produced power pop song. And that's like that's what it is. Top yeah, to bottom. it's
1: kind of. Uh... I don't know. It's almost like uh, it's almost like it belongs. It belongs on one of the like the Golden Smog records or something.
0: Yeah, I think that's fair.
1: But it's uh, interestingly, uh, they. I looked up, and this is this is going to get me a little worked up because I know at this point in my life I should be beyond getting worked up about internet lists <laughs> and numerical rankings, which I think are just designed to annoy me. But. I did look up the Someone's Best Jeff Tweedy songs, that someone being American Songwriter magazine. Okay. And they ranked "Gun" somehow at number 13 overall. <laughs> Behind Please Tell My Brother, the Golden Smog <laughs> song, which is totally indefensible, and also Remember the Mountain Bed, which is a f- effing Woody Wait, Guthrie didn't even song. Right the fuck?
0: I am canceling my subscription to American Songwriter. Well, that,
1: I mean that's the thing, right? Your publication is titled American <laughs> Songwriter and you can't google to see who the actual songwriter is? Like it just it's, it just seems fundamentally lazy to me. I agree. I agree. Uh also controversial on that list, the last one, number 20, the long cut. Fuck you. Yeah. <laughs> it's like it's a, it's actually a, a pretty horrible list. I'll just read it for you. Yeah, hit me. Number one, misunderstood. Okay, good song. Good song. Number two, ashes of American flags.
0: Not even the best song on that album, but well, fine. Number
1: three, I am trying to break your heart. Four, a shot in the arm. Questionable. Five, hummingbird. The fuck. Yeah. Six, New Madrid. Seven, oh. heavy metal drummer. Eight, Jesus, etc. So they really, <laughs> really liked Yankee Hotel. Fox yeah,
0: you, you can tell when they got on board.
1: And then. You know, you're nine, ten, eleven, please tell my brother, remember the mountain bed, laminated cat. Oh fuck you. Ah, sunken treasure. Okay, pretty good. Pretty good. And then gun. And then this is where it gets really weird. Wilco the song at 14. No. I'm with you, man. I I, I feel like I feel like this is a list that was put together by someone who like clearly got into Wilco during the like Yankee Hotel Foxtrot era and yeah. did a like casual back catalog <laughs> yeah. search and
0: yeah they like they pulled up Spotify's This is Wilco <laughs> <Right>. list. <laughs> like, well what what's it got? What else can we do here?
1: But uh but yeah no I I mean one thing I guess I I, I probably shouldn't have led with that because I, I do really like the song. But I feel like you kind of get a glimpse in this song of kind of that like Jeff Tweedy style of humor. Like, yeah. Like kind of what like when you see him live or Specifically, when you see just Jeff Tweedy live and there's more banter. Yeah. Like, I I remember the show we went to at the Guthrie Theater. Yeah. The old Guthrie. That was really funny.
0: God, that was the old Guthrie. Yeah. Jesus Christ.
1: Which is now a, like, restaurant, I think.
0: Slash, yeah.
1: Slash empty piece of grass.
0: Yeah.
1: But, but yeah, I mean, you get that kind of, he has that kind of self-deprecating style of humor. Yeah. And you kind of get that with, like, tripping on a wrinkle on the rug.
0: Yeah. Yeah, well, so if you if you want to talk lyrics, one thing that jumped out to me, I made a big production about how women don't exist on all of No Depression. Women exist in this song, like it, it's not, you know, the song does not pass the Bechdel test or anything, but it at least acknowledges that the gender exists. And that's progress. That's-
1: yeah, I wonder if that was. Uh, I wonder if there was like a if there was like a band meeting where they're like, guys. We- <laughs> i i know our primary audience is you know 20 something dudes but we got to open this thing up a little bit <laughs> it's
0: easy to imagine farrar just like looking down at the ground but you do it <laughs> you do it it's, it's up to you but yeah you know, well so that's um yeah along the same lines like no depression had zero songs about relationships I don't know for sure what gun is about. Like as much as I love the song, I, I can't tell you what exactly is being described. But it seems to be a relationship gone wrong. So like, not only do women exist, but men and women have relationships. Sometimes have troubles.
1: Yeah, it's That's, it's almost got to be about a relationship gone wrong, right? I, I think mean, so. You know, like my heart was a gun, but it's unloaded now. That's like that seems pretty seems pretty easy. Yeah. I uh, what do we got? I mean, it's it's no Wilco the song, but oh, Jesus Christ,
0: to me that song. Okay, programming note here. Um, we actually had to stop recording now because of a puppy accident, but we're back on. Wilco the song.
1: Impressive that Keith picks up mid rant. No, <laughs> no, no decrease in furor. Just, just gonna roll with it.
0: That that song is the sound of like. I try not to be too hard on Jeff Tweedy, but that Wilco the song is the sound of a man raising the white flag, saying like I my need to produce songs has outpaced my ideas for songs.
1: So, just a question, does that bother you more or Wilco Schmilko?
0: Wilco Yeah, I mean like Wilco the song is bad, but that's just an album. Wilco Schmilko is just like, <laughs> yeah, we're done. We're done. We're out contractually required to produce music
1: it's kind of like uh it it feels a little bit i mean they're not i don't think they're actually trying to do this but it feels a little bit like those like like gutter punk bands that'll like you know kind of just abuse their fans for the entire show like that's that's what uh wilco schmilko feels like to me just in in title and
0: star wars
1: yeah yeah (laughs) that's That's a hard one to go to bat for.
0: (sighs) But okay, so to to stop dumping on what happened to Tweety later. I did notice that Gun seems to be a song he likes because it uh, it sticks around in Wilco set lists for a while. You know, the first I don't know, until at least until Yankee Hotel Foxtrot came out, they would still like play gun in the encores. I thought that was interesting. Yeah,
1: I mean, I think part of it's the, it's a good song and it's a, it's kind of a, it's a rocker. So it's a good closer.
0: Yeah, it goes over big.
1: Uh, People are, I don't know. I mean, one of the things that's kind of cool about Uncle Tupelo is, is the nostalgia factor that a lot of people that are at Sunbolt or Jay Farrar shows or Wilco shows have been fans of this combined entity for a long time. So there's that kind of callback to, the nostalgia that's, you know, it's almost like, I mean, this is a terrible comparison, but like, you know, like hardcore Grateful Dead fans that were like, Oh, you haven't played Casey Jones live since 1972.
0: Yeah. No, I, I think that's it. Exactly. I mean, like, we both know people who wound up with these libraries of Wilco live shows that, uh you know, like reminded me a lot of, of dead fans who are, you know, like would know like the subtleties of how, Night two of the stand in Boston was different from night one. You know, and like just, I don't know.
1: Yeah, it's it's kind of interesting. It, you know, and this is sort of a, a market power example. But I remember that Pearl Jam started producing their shows. Like, yeah. So like, you could buy a recording of the show you were at, which I always thought was kind of a cool. That idea. was a
0: good idea. Yeah.
1: You know, because if it was like a really good show, you could you could get a like soundboard quality recording of it. Yeah. And I mean, anyone who's listened to bootlegs, like they're rarely coming from the soundboard. They're usually pretty poor on quality.
0: Asshole with a boom mic. Yeah. yeah,
1: and I mean, that's I just I always kind of liked that about. Yeah. Like Pearl Jam, I guess this is I mean obviously not a podcast about Pearl Jam, but they did they did a lot of things that I can get behind. Uh, you know, like I don't like Ticketmaster. Um, I don't know if they actually accomplished anything with that fight, uh, well, but at least they fought it. They fought it and you know i th- i think it's kind of cool that you release all of your shows for people like that's just kind of a, a neat way to interface with your fans
0: yeah i agree i uh yeah pearl jams kind of on the Minutemen list where like i in some ways like no it's not true I, I like the Minutemen better than pearl jam across the board but you know pearl jams they have their place um one thing i had noted this is I, this is just a weird thing about this song. It's got, you know, it's got that distinctive riff that kicks it off. And that, that riff is basically a, a perversion of a G chord. Um, There's a Shin's song called Turn a Square on Shoots Too Narrow. And at about two minutes, 30 seconds of that song, the gun riff just shows up. Wow. And like, I've always wondered if that was, an, you know, like, like a salute or you know, a lift or just like you fuck around with the G chord long enough, you're going to come up with that perversion of it.
1: Yeah. Um, I don't know the shoot song uh, off the top of my head or the uh, shin song off the top of my head. I did. Yes. I do remember liking that album shoots too Narrow. Good like, album. I, I feel like that was a really good album.
0: The other weird thing with bits of this song turning up somewhere else. um, And I'm positive this is a coincidence or just, you know, because you fuck around with chords, this is what happens. But the verse chords of this are um Sugar's I If I Can't Change Your Mind, just with a different rhythm. Huh. It's like the exact same D-A-G with like you're adding fingerings onto the D. Oh.
1: Probably came out about the same time, right? Yeah,
0: yeah. And I mean, like, I don't think anyone was ripping anyone off. I think it's just like if you mess around with those chords, these are the ways you would mess around with them. But I think that's interesting.
1: Do you feel like that's a – that? that kind of signature riff is just a, a one take one guitar riff, or do you think that's multiple guitars layered on top of each other? To I'm get not
0: that sure. I, I don't know. And like even listening to it, like I've tried to listen to it to figure it out and it's gotta be multiple guitars, I guess, because when they do it live, it sounds weaker. Yeah. Um, and it's hard to, you know, like I, I I've i tried to play it the way they play it on the album and like, you know, I don't think I'm a bad guitarist. I'm not great, but I I can't get the picking anywhere near as tight and as big as they have it on the, on the album.
1: I read somewhere that like a lot of like, I think it's Smashing Pumpkins studio albums have like hundreds of like tens of guitar tracks on top of each other yeah. to achieve that sound. Yeah. So that's when, I mean, I've never seen them live, but apparently when you see them live, it doesn't sound the same because you that's the that's what they're using is, is all these different layers. Yeah,
0: yeah. Well, and there are definitely overdubs. You know, they definitely do that layering on this on this album. I've got a note for one of the other songs that there's, you know, way more get layered guitars than than others.
1: I've softened on that though. I was, I mean, I went through a phase where I was like, uh, nope, this this production stuff adds nothing. Yeah, and I feel like you know, as you get older. It adds something. It does add something. Uh, I mean, there's... It adds to the sound. It adds to the sound. It makes it sound better. Huh. Oh, uh
0: anything else on gun? I don't think so, no. Okay, well, let's take a break and uh, come back. All right, so looking for a way out. Uh, my My note for this, my opening note just says... Fuck yeah! <laughs> I, this and Gun are my favorite one-two punch in the Uncle Tupelo canon.
1: Um, that, yeah, I, uh, guess, I guess the the challenge is when you start out with such a hot start like that, it it, it has to correct at some point. It's yep. like uh, it's like uh, copper blue, right? The first two songs are just like or just pump you up to such a degree that like it's impossible for there not to be a letdown. Yeah. Otherwise, you know, you I think you would die.
0: Yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> you got to take your foot off the gas or call the police. Um, you know, it, we'll get to that with Fall Down <laughs> 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 Um. So, one thing it's just, it's interesting to me like I think Gun and Looking for a Way Out are both, you know, these great strong songs. Uh they're in the same key. So it even, you know, like they sound matched together really intentionally
1: yeah and you know i I kind of feel like we find ourselves back in the alcohol consequences slash glorification feedback loop in
0: this song yep
1: so it's uh you know where gun is sort of if you just experienced uncle tupelo through no depression and you heard gun i think you'd be like whoa what you know what happened to this band yeah and then you heard this song you'd be like oh yep they're back
0: okay it's our boys but this one you know like like I went back and listened to our episodes all the way through No Depression, and you know we're always talking about like, well, are they glamorizing? Are they not? You know, and it's not clear. This one, like, it's pretty clearly negative. Like, he's not. Nothing's being glamorized here.
1: Yeah, and interestingly, I, I wonder if my thinking has evolved in that. Like, so clearly when he says, you know, what is what is life for fifty years in this town done for you? Extra, except to earn your name and place on a bar stool. Like that's a pretty sad piece of imagery, yeah, and I wonder if that's like you know the the kind of small town like you work and then you go to the go to the bar and that's where all your friends are at, but it's really sad because it's like that's your life, yeah, like you don't and i and i it kind of says that you've never been out of state, yeah, like you know I think that, and it doesn't even have to be a small town thing, you mm-hmm. know, I know my wife is from the East Coast, and I know relatives of hers that just don't leave the state of Massachusetts. Like just, they,
0: yeah. I'm related to several people like that too. And I don't, I don't understand it, but that's a trap people fall into one way or another.
1: Yeah. And I think, I think in this case, you know, it's another, it's sort of the, it's sort of the proto Ferrar, like the, yes. you know, like, like some of the things that I maybe don't like about Ferrar's later work is that, and I think you actually said this, so I'm gonna attribute this quote to you. It's like someone reading an article out of Mother Jones while yeah, playing the guitar. Yes, this sort of has that feel, like, like you know, it's not as as topical, but it's like you know, you can you can see the seeds being uh, yeah. seeds being planted for this uh, for this kind of worldview.
0: Yeah, definitely. I I got excited when you said this is the the proto J for because I I also think like this song is the first time that like. Like there's this very signature J Farrar guitar sound that isn't really on No Depression. I mean, like it sounds like J Ferrari playing guitar, but like to me, this is the first time if you listen through that you really hear like the J Ferrari, like very distinct bent note thing where he, you know, he just has this distinct solo style. And like the uh the rhythm guitar parts on this, it just sounds like he's like shooting out just like these Bursts of lava as he hits the chords, and then you know, with little like leads in between. I don't know. I I, I guess there's a lot of like future J. Farrar like showing itself here.
1: It's kind of the fun thing about this project, or a fun thing about this project is you get to kind of see. So I mean, we have the we have the benefit of knowing what they become or yeah. are now at least. Yeah. And so you can kind of we can kind of go back and and look for for things like that.
0: Yeah, totally.
1: Um, and I I mean, for my money, J. Farrar is is one of my favorite guitar players like his if you're looking for somebody just to rule out on like americana rock like he's your guy I,
0: I agree i you know we've we've talked about this offline just how weird it is that in sunvolt then you know i can never remember which Boquist is which i think dave Boquist was the solo was the guitarist or was yeah. it jim it's either jim or dave it's one of the two uh, you know but like think of the pressure that's on that dude where like you've got to justify your position as the lead guitarist in this band by being better than Jay Ferrar like
1: yeah some... and while doing it while sounding a lot like Jay Ferrar yeah. possible right yes, like that's, exactly. that's the challenge it's uh I don't know I mean I'm trying to think of a of a corollary but it'd be like it'd be like if Jimi hendrix had lived longer yeah. and like you know he wanted to focus on singing more and so he brought in a guitar player to play yeah
0: you know,
1: play play the lead some of his lead stuff like big shoes to fill
0: yeah you don't you don't rest easy doing that i uh i don't know this is such a good song this uh i i mentioned this in an earlier episode but the uh the last verse when they say looking for a way out and tweety's taking the high harmony above that's as good as the harmony between these two ever get.
1: It uh, originally they uh, I was reading in the liner notes that it was called. Uh, there was a time originally. Okay. And I feel like for whatever reason, like I get why they an- initially called it that, but I think, I think looking for a way out is a much better name for the song. It is. Like it, I mean, it's also in the song, but it's like yeah. it. I don't know when you name the song after the chorus, sometimes that that feels like a, it feels like an easy, an easy way out. Yeah. Uh, but I feel like this, that kind of hits the looking for a way out, sort of hits the theme of the song. Right? Yeah. Like definitely you're stuck in this town and you know, you're trying to trying to figure out a way to get a better life.
0: Yeah. We, so we talked a little bit about um, how this is the, you know, maybe the least country album. And, and you know, gun seems to be like basically no, not country at all, except maybe for Tweety's accent. Would you consider th- to me, this song feels more country,
1: but I don't know. Like, do you feel that way? Do you think it feels more country, but it feels more like a sunvolt song? Like, so yeah. country elements of a rock
0: song. Yeah, I think that's fair.
1: Um, you know, it, it doesn't feel like it doesn't feel like a lot of the songs on no depression. I guess it does feel like some of the songs in No Depression, but it doesn't feel like it's the country pieces are as forced, I guess.
0: Yeah, I think that's fair. So
1: I feel like they're getting better at blending those two things.
0: That's, you know, across the board, I think that's a thing that separates Still Feel Gone from No Depression. Is like A lot of the times, different things being merged together on No Depression felt a little forced and clunky. Uh, You know, just like whether it's different musical styles or like different riffs in songs. Like, everything on this album just fits together more smoothly. Like, they've just figured out how to make it work better.
1: Yeah, I'm wondering, do you think that's a function of time? Or do you think that's a function of working on your craft? Or is it just becoming a better songwriter?
0: I I think all of those things, you know, and I think all of those things are kind of the same thing, just with different facets. They've just been doing this longer and knew what they were doing and, I don't know, were gaining skill at it. Did you, um, I, I know you did cause I know you, <laughs> did you listen to the demo version of this? Of course I did. <laughs> <laughs> so like, that's kind of a mess, I think.
1: Yeah. Um, so that, that, you know, this is a question we've been asking is like, what, what is the producer actually doing here? And, <laughs> yeah. and I think in this case, we can kind of see that they, they sort of, they did some, they made some very positive edits to the, yes, to the exactly. process. Um, it uh I always find that weird too when, when uh groups release the demo version of songs. Yeah. Because you know, you're kinda you're kinda laying it all out there. It's like if you re- if you released a novel and you also released the first draft of that yeah. novel, like you know, it's it, it it's really I mean it's a it's a good idea. It's just it's really you're really putting it all out you're
0: there. Really, like, yeah. You're standing naked in front
1: of the world. Yeah. It's uh I don't know. I don't know if I would have the courage to do that. Like I'd be, I'd be too afraid that someone would be like, Oh, this is garbage. This is, this person is, this person is entirely like, you know, Sven gollied by their producer. Even with this
0: podcast, I would be afraid to just put the raw audio up without editing out all of, all of my ums
1: And the number (laughs) of times I say interesting, which is a lot. That's very interesting, Chad.
0: (laughs) So, Okay you said that like gun felt a little diminished. I don't listen. How about this one?
1: I know this one. I really, I, this one maybe was, it, it is better than I remember it. You know, the thing, the thing is, I I don't think I've listened. I don't listen to still feel gone a lot. Right. So it's, it's, yeah. I mean, it, my memories of it are, were primarily formed in like 1995. No, maybe not. 1995. I, the late '90s, mid to late '90s, yeah. uh, when I was sort of on an Uncle Tupelo bender, and you know, it's it's hard to sometimes break those break those things. Like you you get kind of set in your thought pattern.
0: huh oh.
1: Hence why I didn't listen to the Clash until I was almost forty.
0: Because uh, was it like a classic rock radio exactly. ruining Rock the Casbah? Yes. And it was like yep, same,
1: same. Like I. I just assumed if it was on KQ that it was, you know, it was, it had its place, but it wasn't something I was interested in exploring, yeah. you know, so I guess that's a benefit of age is that you, uh, you get to, especially with Spotify. Now you get to go, you can go back and essentially do whatever research you want to do. Yeah. And you, you kind of, I don't know, you know, when you're in your twenties, you're kind of, it's exciting to be the first one maybe to find something Yeah. But as you get older, it's it's sort of, you get to, uh, you're interested in finding the best things.
0: Yeah. The, the the first thing, it's just such an exhausting thing. Because if you ever relax on that, someone's going to get ahead of you. Know, just fuck that. Just right. step out of the race and just find what you like.
1: Yeah, yeah. It, just, it would have been nice if I had done that 10 years earlier. But, <laughs> yeah, whatever. Whatever.
0: You know, better late than never. Yeah. Not even that late, really. Um. Looking for a way out. I'm trying to think of if I've got. I just I love the song, but like, it's hard for me to. I guess this makes me a bad music analyzer. Sometimes it's hard for me to express why I love it so much.
1: Do you think it's because you Jafar uses the line "mortal stare" at Big Brother?
0: Isn't that the next song?
1: Oh, it is the next song. Sorry.
0: Oh, I got I got thoughts about those lines. Yeah, bet you next
1: thoughts. I bet you have thoughts. I'm on the wrong page. Apologize. Terrible, but um, it's uh yeah i just I, I think they do a good a good job in this one of of kind of making you feel like making you feel like understanding the plight of the person in these shoes yeah this is the line i was looking for it's like life in some kind of trap looking for a way out we keep moving on that's what it's all about so you know that's... kind of like a little bit uplifting.
0: Yeah. That, for, that, that's the that's thing I'd never noticed until we started doing these close reads. Like, I'd always just thought, well, Ferrar's always negative. And he is, but it's like, he's always negative with like this little hint of hope. Yeah. You know, like, I guess looking for a way out implies there's a way out. Like, yeah. But,
1: but that's kind of a, a theme. Like, there's a Sunbolt album called The Search... Yeah, you know, there's, there's just a lot of his songs are about you know, like trying to find your way out of bad situations.
0: Wonder if I assume Jay Farrar is just kind of in therapy all the time? Yeah, or maybe <laughs> yeah.
1: the music is his therapy. Yeah, you know? probably. Maybe he's super happy. Go lucky if you, you know, like he's, <laughs> yeah. you know, you run into him like a Chuck E. Cheese or something, and he's, you know, he's in the ball pit <laughs> playing <laughs> skee ball. <laughs>
0: I have to believe.
1: Yeah. I don't. I mean, the thing is, the interesting thing about Jay Farrar, there, I said interesting again. There you go. Is that uh, he's so like, I mean, you virtually know nothing about him because yeah. he's so closed off. Even when he gives interviews, they're always, it's just, it's, they're really, really, okay, here's what we're talking about. So you don't, yeah. And maybe, maybe it's a function you don't, Maybe we don't know Jeff Tweedy that well either, right? And we just think we do because he's really friendly and and happy.
0: Yeah, oh, no. he he performs being open without maybe being yeah. open. And Jay Farrar is just like, yeah, fuck you, I'm not going to be open.
1: <laughs> and I know nothing about Mike Heider,
0: nothing at all. Yeah, I but,
1: don't. I, he could you know he could hold up a convenience store that I was in, and I would not know that unless he was wearing an <laughs> Uncle Tupelo T-shirt. I would not know it was Mike Heider.
0: I agree. Um, on that note, should we call it for yeah, looking for a way? Wh-? All right.
1: <laughs>
0: time to fall down easy. Le- <laughs>
1: That's t- staying in.
0: <laughs> time to fall down easy to the uh, gentle noise of a dog crunching biscuits in the background.
1: Yeah. So I, I jumped the jumped the gun a little bit on this, but uh the in the thought thinking it was in the last song, but in this song the the line Mortal Stare at Big Brother like also is a callback for me to like future well, I call forward to future J for R like themes, like Big Brother know, the Man. Yeah,
0: yep. This whole song, like <sighs> This song is just kind of a letdown across the board. Um, and, you know, I, I think we'll dig into that a little more. But I don't know. It just it To me, this song seems like... I think there was a song on No Depression where we talked about this, too. This just seems like a collection of gripes about just, like, there are political things I don't like. And it doesn't add up to a ton.
1: Yeah, and it, it just is... It, you know, you kind of it's just kind of a downer, right? Like you hang the blame on the wall. It'll be a frame around us all truths by stickers and billboards. The conversation turns to war. It's like, it's like a slow descent into that weird friend. Who's a little too keyed up about, you know, <laughs> yeah. some.
0: He's, he's just a verse away from telling you that jet fuel can't melt steel beams.
1: Right? Yeah. That's that. That's it. Exactly though. It's like the, even though this was before, you know, before nine 11, it's like, you know, you feel like you're about to get some weird conspiracy unloaded on you. That yeah. you know the the chemtrails are, are causing autism or something.
0: Yeah, I I mean, like it's I don't know. I, I think the the lyrics of this song make it. You know, it, it's a downer on its own merits, but it's also like after those first two songs, you know, like we said, like you had they it, they had to take the foot off the gas. Um, so you get this downer song that opens with minor chords that quietly. So, you know, you, you've been rocking out and you're just like, Oh, now we're going to quietly gripe. It's, I don't know. It's tough.
1: Yeah. Did you notice the weird like mandolin part that's inserted? Oh oh, yes, I did. In the bridge. Like it seems, and I actually titled it enter the mandolin. Yeah. Because it's like, it, A, it doesn't really fit in the song at all. And it's just Mm -hmm. like, you can just see somebody being like, okay, what are we what's this song missing?
0: Well, so like for the mandolins that turned up on No Depression, we hypothesized that uh at Fort Apache they had like some mandolin ringers, you know. So here like, it feels like Slade and Caldery were like, Yeah, you know, Jimmy Armando buddy, he uh, he needs some work. What if we brought him in?
1: But it's in it for it's in it for so little of the song. Like it it it's yeah. It doesn't. It doesn't work. I mean, it, it, it's like adding a like a racing stripe to a big <laughs> wheel or something. Like it just, it. it what yeah, is the point of this? Like, what? No point. Why? Why is it in the song? Yeah. But I, I, I wonder what their thought process was. I wonder if they're, you know, they're, maybe they were making a conscious decision not to make it sound too country. But they're like, well, we got maybe this song isn't country enough.
0: Yeah, that, that's just what I was thinking. Like it feels a little bit like a weird unnecessary course correction
1: i I, don't know. I do kind of enjoy that when you look at the the tab of the lyrics the way it's set up the chorus it just says don't want to murder
0: <laughs> well so that's I, one of the things about this song that sticks with me that i that i guess i don't like um Just across the board, the phrasing of the lyrics, like with lines, is just awkward as hell. Because you'll like stretch a sentence across a couple of lines of lyrics and it just sounds weird all the time.
1: What I mean, I don't know how much longer you could stretch the word murder in a song, like how many more beats you could hold that. But it's actually kind of impressive how, you know, don't want to murder. (laughs) Yeah. And then the rest of it is fat, like the only memory you're hiding so it's like it's just a weird cadence it's kind of yeah
0: weird. it's it, it's unusual it really sticks out uh battling the barrier of belief I don't yeah know, you know it's just
1: a it's not it's kind of a herky-jerky style that you wouldn't actually talk like that i don't yeah. think yeah i hope
0: i wouldn't um you know i i so i have this note too that like I guess when we were talking about looking for a way out, one thing I had flagged to mention and didn't was that the bass is way up on that song. This one, it's way back. And like, actually, it's weird because the bass is way back. The guitar is really quiet. The dominant instrument here, it's really voice and drums. And like, if there's a redeeming thing about this song to me, and like the only thing that I've ever dug about this song is that it ends with Mike Heidorn, just like, Elbowing his way to the front and being like, fuck you, it's drumming time. You
1: know, like, that works. Yeah, and I think he's... Unfortunately, he gets lost kind of in the shuffle sometimes with Uncle Tupelo songs. Because yeah. he's, he's sort of up against it with two...
0: He just can't help but be the third guy.
1: Yeah. Yeah, it's... uh, I wonder what the... I, I don't think... I've ever heard this song performed live.
0: Yeah. I, I'm pretty sure I haven't. I don't know if it's, you know, if you're early Sunvolt and you're going to do mostly Sunvolt songs and dip into a few Uncle Tupelo songs, Like I guess this just, this isn't on the list of like what you would do that, that closing part where for our is, or where Heidorn is, you know, just knocking ass around well for our sings like i could see that working pretty well live but the build up to it would be
1: tough Plus, it would have to bring in a mandolin player for the bridge it's
0: true but dave bowquist was a multi-instrumentalist they that's true he it. probably
1: could do that Could i just it. you know like i and i think we talked about this last time i just kind of hope that they have like like just this crusty old guy that they bring in and kind of <laughs> Bumps his way to the stage and plugs in his mandolin and does this part and then walks back. Yep, that's our that's our Mando man right there.
0: Then backstage he takes the mask off and it's Peter Buck. Oh my god.
1: That, see? Although it wouldn't it'd be hard for Peter Buck to fold himself into a like like a little old man costume. He's, a, he's kind of a large dude, isn't
0: he? Uh, master of disguise. <laughs>
1: Pistachio McDeisy. <laughs>
0: Isn't it just straight up pistachio disguise? Disguise. I think you're giving them too much credit. Oh. For...
1: Yes. That's, that's a movie. No one listening should ever watch <laughs> master of disguise.
0: We should just, that should be stricken from the cultural record.
1: Isn't Dana Carvey kind of having like a, like a moment of like resurfacing of his up? I think he,
0: I, I think that moment has come and gone.
1: I mean, I wonder why no one brings that up. Like, <laughs> like what about his film career? <laughs> Master of Disguise?
0: Even he seems embarrassed by that. That's,
1: yeah, that's quite embarrassing.
0: That's no good. Um, Fall Down Easy.
1: Yeah, it, it does feel like a little... I mean, it's aptly named because it, it feels like an easy letdown. Maybe yeah. it should just be Let Down Easy yeah. from the first two songs.
0: One note of mine I've got that just caught my eye, you know, so we, we talk all the time about them, like consciously doing stuff to signify that their country. One thing that I have noted here is that maybe this was, you know, after two like major key rockers, um, maybe this one was an intentional sign that they're not dinosaur junior. You know, like we're going to, we're going to pull it back a little, we're going to pull the guitars back a little.
1: Yeah. And I mean, that's probably, I mean, that, I I don't think there are a lot of dinosaur junior ballads. I, I guess <laughs> yeah. I, I mean I I've listened to a fair amount of dinosaur junior, but I don't think there are a ton of like they they're a band that likes to keep their foot on the throttle.
0: Yep, they they do one thing and they do it well. Right.
1: Um, yeah, I. It's uh, that that's an interesting question that Keith and I have been going back and forth uh, offline on is the similarities and dissimilarities between uncle Tupelo and dinosaur junior. And one of the things that I I found was a clip of, uh, and I sent it to Keith of Jeff Tweedy playing along with dinosaur junior for the the 30th anniversary tour on the song tar pit. And like he blends in seamlessly with that band. like He's he, he could be, I mean,
0: could easily have been just a Dino Junior utility player, right?
1: Yeah, a confident lead singer.
0: Yeah, yeah. It's funny because I've got Slade and Coldery just coded in my head as the Dinosaur Junior producers, but you were talking about like this entire universe of other bands from that era that they were associated with. So I guess that's not fair of me, but to me, like it always feels like that's what you're pushing against if you're working with them in that
1: period. Oh, well, and they're you know they're. They're based out of Massachusetts. I I think they're friends with Jay Masses. Yeah. Like I, I think it's it just is when I when I looked on All Music looking up their credits, like it was just amazing how many of those records like I had heard or I was into. Yeah. And it's a very distinct sound of the nineties.
0: Extremely. So with this song, I'm trying to pull the lyrics up. I've just I one thing this entire project has made me realize is how weird my approach to song lyrics has been just all the way through where like, I, I really don't, you know, with rare exceptions, I, I focus on individual lines more than the whole song. And like, to me, this song has never hung together as a thing. It's just been this series of of lines. Like, I like that line. I don't like that line that conversation turns to war line has always stuck with me. I don't know this. It just, this feels like a pile of words that has some good parts, but if you poke at it, it just collapses into dust it, or.
1: Yeah. Know. I mean, I, I kind of liked your collection of gripes. Like, yeah. like, I mean, I think that's kind of what it is. It's just, and I mean, sometimes you, sometimes you get songs where it is kind of a collection of gripes, but. It's got this like rawness to it, or this this angst that really ties it together. Yeah, it, this one just maybe feels a little clinical in terms of the airing of grievances. <laughs>
0: I think that's it. That uh, it's
1: like a Senate roll call or something. Like it's you <laughs> <yeah>. know
0: <laughs> The line about um, the combination of my hearing and gumbo pages averages out to, <laughs> if you hang the blame on the wall, it'll be a frame. Actually, no. I'm seeing this now. Gumbo Pages has it completely different from the way I have it. I always thought it was if you could hang the blame on the wall, there'd be a frame around us all. Gumbo Pages has it a little bit differently. It sounds like your source has it a little differently from Gumbo Pages.
1: Yeah, I think it's I think it's just that they're not great at. I mean, we we all struggle sometimes to understand exactly what Jay Farrar is saying. Yeah. You know,
0: whatever exactly it is, I've always, I just like that couplet sticks out to me as like an interesting concept, really kind of badly stated.
1: Yeah. So I have it as you can hang the blame on the wall. It'll be a frame around us all.
0: Yeah. I, I swear to God, I hear a there in there, but my ears are shit too. You know, like I, I should
1: should really be hypothetical, though, right? It's if you. It should be if you hang the blame on the wall. I always heard an if
0: in yeah. there, and maybe my brain was just putting it in.
1: Maybe you're just trying to like you're going through some kind of decoder to make it a complete sentence.
0: You know, I I can't not be an editor. I guess. I don't know. I, it's just it's tough. Like to, the way I look at it, in the end, this song is at best a palate cleanser. But it kind of has to be because it's like, it's like a comedian who has to go up and do a set after Patton Oswalt and Tig Notaro, and like you know, like you're not gonna top what what just preceded you, and the best you can do is just like not embarrass yourself, and that's kind of where this song is at on this album.
1: Yeah, and I think, I mean, I just think just practically, if you're writing songs, you're not. You know, they're not all going to be gold, to paraphrase Seinfeld. Like, <laughs> you know, like it, it, you know, you're you're going to have some clunkers in there, and it it uh, it is interesting how they it is interesting that they put the two best songs on the album one two.
0: I think it's you know that's not well. I don't know if that is. I, I was going to say that's not a bad strategy, but maybe it is because, like, honestly, I have very little opinion about most of the rest of Still Feel God because it's just in the shadow of how the, the album starts
1: yeah and i i wonder what the i don't know what the actual like formula is that record companies use to to I maybe mean, do you put the do you put the radio track first or what is the i guess now it doesn't doesn't really matter yeah, right because people are only going to listen to the songs that they like anyway so.
0: there isn't even a definitive album you know like like
1: it is kind of an outdated concept, right? Well, the-
0: it's, it, it's a weird thing where like I I bought um I bought Bowie's The Next Day from iTunes and got a certain track listing. The version of it on Spotify is different. Uh, there are songs that on iTunes are considered part of the album that aren't available on Spotify. You know, and I feel like we're in this weird world now where like just the very basics of what is the album is fluid now in a way it never used to be. And I've heard that if you are buying music through Apple Music actually, there's some weasel words in the uh terms and conditions where you, you never technically buy an album from them. You technically are buying a like playlist. A
1: collection of songs.
0: Yeah. Huh. And so they can like takes you know, they can add and remove songs to the uh to the running list, so like I don't know, just you know we talk about like what's the formula for an album, like that barely exists now because it's just it's fucking water,
1: yeah, it, I suppose so few people are buying album, albums oops. as we think of them, um you know they're it's now it's people buying you know people buying their spotify, yeah service membership and and kind of experiencing it through that, yeah, which is good and bad, yeah like, I, uh, I don't. I mean it's been great for me. Yeah, I mean, it's really I think exposed me to some music that I wouldn't have otherwise listened to.
0: It's definitely more good than bad.
1: But yeah, you think about think about when you were in high school, you could have knockdown drag out arguments about the merits of album A versus album B yeah. because everybody only had a, a small number of, I mean if you had when you were in high school, if you had 50 CDs, you know, you were you were living on the Big Rock Candy Mountain.
0: I remember when, you know, just after undergrad, when I got a car that had a 12-disc CD changer in the trunk, and I was like, holy shit, I can take 12 CDs with me wherever I go, man. Name. I can I'm... take
1: my 10-disc Led Zeppelin box set plus two other <laughs> CDs. Damn right.
0: You know, but it's weird because, like, even within the bounds of this project, we are accepting definitions of these albums that are different from the ones that we listened to when we, you know, when we were fans of this band, you know, like Sin City was not on the version of no depression that I listened to when I was an uncle Tupelo super fan, but we talked about it last time.
1: Yeah. It's I I don't know. Maybe we should structure them as a function of time instead of album. Maybe that would be eras
0: times a flat circle.
1: Keith channeling his inner Matthew McConaughey. That's right. Which oh. leaves me to channel my inner Woody Harrelson, <laughs> so or another bit player from True Detective season. Uh,
0: yeah, that's just that's just a day in the life for you. <laughs> uh, well, we're pretty far afield here. Have you got anything else on? Uh...
1: I don't. No. That's uh.
0: All right. Well, let's uh let's wrap her up. Thank you for listening. I'm Keith. You can find me on Twitter at Keith That's at K E I T H P I L L E.
1: And I'm Chad cook. And you can find me on Twitter at at cook six, two, five, two. And my follower count is all the way up to 50. So hell yeah. That's right. Join the movement. Right on.
0: <laughs> um, we, uh, we would love to hear from you if you like, or don't like the show. Um, please let us know. I, you know, I guess we'd rather hear positive than negative, but negative, negative works. If you dug the show, please tell people about it uh, or go to iTunes or Google Play and leave a review. I see a bunch of ratings on iTunes and that's really cool. Thank you a ton if you've done that. Um, if you haven't done that, please do that. That just that helps it out, it helps us out, help people find the show. Um, that's what we got. I had some great outro in my head earlier today. I forgot it, so I'm just going to keep talking, and then I'm going to layer the outro
1: music I, I over this. I thought these. you were going to sing
0: the outro, was that not? That's funny? right. Um, <laughs> Never leave on your own,
1: wait for all the way go.